Coming up next on Abounding Grace. I've been talking to a few people lately and what they've displayed, what they've shared with me is that they're in a situation that's a little confusing. It's a little confusing. Well, imagine crying out to a God that's also confused about your confused situation. Where will the clarity come? God's not confused about your situation right now. The Bible declares very affirmatively that God is not the author of confusion. He's the solution to confusion. He's the one that brings order to chaos. He's the one that brings clarity to things that are foggy. Why? Well, part of it is because he has foreknowledge. He has all knowledge. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. While some claim they know the future, the truth is only God does. And as we come to understand this wonderful attribute of God, our trust in Him will grow. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll derive comfort from the truth that God is able to see your life and mine from beginning to end. We refer to this as God's foreknowledge. And it's touched on in 1 Kings 12, verse 15. Hey, happy Thanksgiving from Pastor Ed Taylor and all of us at Abounding Grace. If you're looking for something to be thankful for, well, today's message will most certainly prompt us to say thank you, God, as we uncover His foreknowledge. You can say that God does everything through His foreknowledge. Why? Because He knows all things at the same time. He's outside of our time-space continuum. You and I experience life on a line, day by day week by week, beginning to end. God is outside of time and is able to see everything all at the same time. If you and I could totally comprehend God, then why need him? We would be his equal. But the Bible declares and God himself says he has no equal. <laughs> and by his, own, by his own fiat and action, he's proven to us he has no equal. None whatsoever. God should be a little incomprehensible a little beyond the rationale of God, or excuse me, the rationale of man, a little beyond our understanding. Be weary of anyone that comes to you that says they perfectly understand God. That's impossible. That's impossible for us. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says, Oh, both the depths and the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now that really helps us and encourages us in tough times. As we all face tough times. We have to ask, do we have a really big problem and a very small God? Or do we have a really big problem and a really big God? Or... Do we have a really big God and all problems are small compared to him? God is infinitely larger and smarter than us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We can trust a God who knows all things. It's his attribute. He can handle everything that comes our way. He can remain faithful when we're faithless. He can work in it. He can work through it. He can work it together. He can make sure that nothing's wasted. So why 
we hit the end goal. What's the end goal? The end goal is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That work is not just an outward accumulation of knowledge and growth. It is an inward work inside where our very character and nature has been changed and moved and conformed to the very end. The very end will be new bodies and full knowledge. We will know, the Bible says, even as we are known. We will shed these earthly bodies that were designed to, to contain our soul and spirit on earth. But in the presence of the Lord, we will shed and receive new bodies that are perfectly suited for the presence of the Lord. Where we will stand before God, I believe, and cry out like the angels, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's the God that we worship. We don't walk into a room on a side room here at Calvary and say, okay, pick out the statue that most looks like you. I mean, if that was the case, we'd just put in a bunch of mirrors in there. Worship yourself. The one that has limited knowledge. How many times have you found yourself crying out to God because you lack the knowledge of what's up ahead? And because you lack that knowledge, what happens? You turn to him. Let me ask you this. What makes you think you're going to make it to heaven? What makes you think that you're going to make it to heaven? I'll tell you what. God said that what he began in you, he is faithful to complete it. How does he know that? How does he, how, how can he say that? How can he say that? Because he knows. He knows ahead of time. The closest picture that has been shared with us, I can think of a couple of different ones. They're very imperfect illustrations because they don't reflect the knowledge of God. But you can get a little bit of that understanding. For example, let's say that uh, instead of watching the uh, Denver Broncos game on Sunday morning, you came to worship the Lord. Let's just say you chose to do that. And you came to church, and you worship God, but you watched the game, and you, you taped it. You didn't watch it. You, you DVR'd it. You taped it. You don't tape anymore. You DVR'd it, uh, and then went home and watched it. But your next-door neighbor decided it was their day to stay home and watch the game, and they came over to watch it with you on your DVR. But... Every once in a while, in the middle of the game, like at first quarter, your friend flips out and goes crazy, but nothing happened on television yet. It's going to happen. But he's very excited about it, because why? He already watched the game. You haven't seen the game yet. But he knows you're all nervous, and you're sweating, and you're not sure what's going to happen, and he's just sitting there all calm and collected. You go, what's going on? I know what's going to happen. Well, tell me what's going to happen. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah, tell me what's going to happen. No, don't tell me what's going to happen. And, and he has that knowledge of the game already because he watched it. And he's watching it with you that doesn't know. And he can get a little excited about things before you do. He can, he can even, you know, if he wants to give it away to you, he can just say at, on the, at the fourth quarter with two minutes left, and you know it's going to take about an hour for those two minutes to be played out. And if he really wants to mess with you, he can just say, he can just take his chips and dip, start walking out the door and saying, don't worry about it, they won, and then leave. <laughs> and the most exciting part of the game is like, oh, man, why? Because he had a, a, a similar foreknowledge I mean, it's so, I know it's a broken down illustration because it's using humans, but the reality is, is that your friend had foreknowledge and was able to know ahead of you what was going on, and he could even tell you what was going on if he wanted to. He knew how it would end. Another illustration that's been shared with us is 
I love, I love parades. Uh, and my favorite parade in the whole wide world is the Rose Parade. And, and I enjoy the Rose Parade. Uh, and one day I hope I can go there and be in the freezing cold uh, in the morning, sleep overnight, wake up, and watch the parade go by me. I want that right on, right on the curb so I can smell the roses as they go by. And I can hear the bands. And that's how I'd watch the parade. I'd watch the parade one float at a time. One float at a time. And I'd have to wait for them to make that big turn and might be able to see if it's something big over there, but I won't be able to see it until it goes right in front of me and it's going to keep going right in front of me all the way down until it's done. But if I had the privilege of being, having a drone uh, flying over the parade and I got it high enough, I would be able to see the parade from beginning to end. I could see the whole thing. I could also see the place I was sitting that will only see one float at a time. But if I was a little bit higher, you know, they always, they have the blimp there too that gives the cover, aerial coverage. And if you're high enough in the blimp, the blimp will have the camera on the entire, you could see the parade from beginning to end. Once again, it's a very limited illustration, but it's one nonetheless where God is able to see far above from beginning to end your life and mine. He knows he knows where you started. He knows where you're going. And by faith in Jesus Christ, he knows exactly what he's going to do in your life, which makes no sense for us to choose to fashion and make our own God in our own image. Where is our help then? Isaiah, in Isaiah 46 verse 5 says as much. Would you turn there with me? Isaiah 46 verse 5. Why would we fashion a God who does not have foreknowledge and has no power and yet we do from time to time. Notice Isaiah chapter 46, verse 5. God says this through the prophet. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god, little g. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. They bear it on their shoulder and they carry it and set it in its place and it stands. And from its place it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Why would you want a God that cannot save you out of your trouble? And yet we have lived so much of our lives apart from Christ doing that very thing. If you want to make a God of your size, he won't be able to help you, the Bible says. But if you make the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things, that's still a bit incomprehensible to you, still a little bit unexplainable to you, he still has a little mystery to him that makes him holy and high, then the worship and strength that flows from our lives, we can depend upon a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and can help us in our time of need. And he's faithful. With our God in his foreknowledge, nothing perplexes him. Nothing confuses him. I've been talking to a few people lately and what they've displayed, what they've, what they've shared with me is that they're in a situation that's a little confusing. It's a little confusing. Well, imagine crying out to a God that's also confused about your confused situation. Where will the clarity come? God's not confused about your situation right now. The Bible declares very affirmatively that God is not the author of confusion. He's the solution to confusion. He's the one that brings order to chaos. He's the one that brings clarity to things that are foggy. Why? Well, part of it is because he has foreknowledge. He has all knowledge. He's not surprised by anything. He's not taken off guard. So that when someone, something comes to rock our world, and things do, when things come to knock us off balance, God remains unmoved 
In Jude, it only has one chapter, verse 24, it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able, it says, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we think or ask, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So many things are happening in our lives today. So much swirling around in our world. There are ups and downs, the strengths, the weaknesses. Even though we don't know all that's going on, God does. Even though, as it's been said, uh, we don't know the future, but we know who holds the future. We know who understands the future. I don't have all the answers, but God does. And the more I can understand and believe that attribute of God, then I'll find my trust growing in Him, knowing all along that God is going to work it out, and I can enjoy the rest that Jesus promises me. Even the rest that's promised in Psalm 37 in the Old Testament. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Let's wind down here with a couple verses in Matthew chapter 26. Did you go there with me? Jesus has some heavy words for Peter looking into the future of his life. Heavy words. Matthew chapter 26. Notice with me in verse 31. Jesus says, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So Jesus takes a prophecy out of Zechariah and he explains exactly how it's going to happen. Why? Because as God, Jesus has foreknowledge. So he takes something from the past. This is what the Bible predicts. This is, what, this is the prediction in Zephaniah. I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to go down. You guys are all going to be made to stumble. All of you in front of you. You're all going to be made to stumble. But then he says in verse 32, after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I'll never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. The problem with Peter here, among all the other things about him, pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency and all that, you don't want to know what his real problem is? He doesn't have foreknowledge. Because if he had foreknowledge, he'd say, Yep, that's exactly what's going to happen, Lord. It's going to be hard, but then I'm going to come back, and it's going to be glorious. And I mean, he could have shared the whole thing, but he doesn't know. So he defends himself. Instead of responding in faith to the God who knows, he denies the foreknowledge of Jesus here, and he defends himself. Don't think for a moment that you haven't done that in your own lives. That you haven't come to God and defended yourself and say, oh no, you got it wrong, God. You got it wrong. You don't really know me. Really? He doesn't know you? Is he learning about you still? Trying to figure you out? He doesn't know you? He knew Peter. He knew all about Peter inside and out. And yet Jesus later, and you can jot it down in Luke chapter 22, Jesus tells Peter, I, I know it's going to happen and you're going to come back. And when you return, strengthen your brethren. Now Peter, when you come back, be an encouragement. Love your brothers. You're going to fall, but you're going to get up. You're going to fall, but I'm going to use it in your life. You're going to think all is lost, but not all is lost. Because when you come back, 
when you come back. Now, to be told by Jesus you're going to fall, I think would be discouraging. And I'm pretty sure, knowing me, I would defend myself. I mean, it's hard to fathom. I, I want to say, oh, no, Lord, you're so right, and I'm so wrong. But knowing me, I think I'd say, no, I love you. I've dedicated my life to you. There's no way I'm going to deny you. I just, I can't even imagine that. And I would be acting in a faithless way toward the God of all knowledge who's telling me straight up what's going to happen in my life. Now, fast forward a little bit. If Jesus now was telling me, if I had ears to hear, if Jesus was telling me, when you return, that would encourage me. Return? You just said I'm going to fall tonight. It's going to happen tonight. That, that I'm going to be fulfillment of prophecy and turn my back on you and deny you. I've just been three years old. I've cast my whole life. I've left everything behind. I've left everyone behind. And I have totally followed you. I'll defend you. I'll cut ears off for you. Jesus, I'm with you. And then I hear, when you return, when I return, I'm going to return? I'm going to fall and I'm going to, I'm going to return? How encouraging that must be. But even hearing the words, when you return, you have to trust that God knows what he's saying. He knows, all, he knows you're coming back. He knows ahead of time. And when you come back, and this is a word for some of you. This is someone listening in on the radio right now that is far away from the Lord. When you come back, and tonight, be the night to come back, strengthen your brethren. Learn from your mistakes. Though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again with new knowledge knowledge of himself and knowledge of the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And when you come back, come back stronger. When you come back, come back harder on the things of God. When you come back, come back more humble, more contrite, more dependent upon the things of the Lord. When you come back, what happened with Peter? He fell, he came back, he strengthened his brethren. Who said that before it happened? Jesus. Why? Because it's God. He possesses foreknowledge. One more verse. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. We'll get into this a little bit in our next time on the topic of predestination, but let me give you a sneak peek in First Peter chapter 1. God is able to work all things together for our good because he has all knowledge, foreknowledge of everything. And in his foreknowledge, he predestines things to occur, which we'll tackle the next time we gather together. But notice in First Peter chapter 1, it says, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These were believers that were scattered. That's what dispersion means. These are believers that were scattered throughout these regions. Notice how they're described. Verse 2, elect, and here's how they're elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is God's sovereign privilege to choose. And he did. How? Peter says according to his foreknowledge. It's his will, God's, to save based on who he knows will accept him. And it's God's choice of us based upon his knowledge that we will choose him. Now we're always going to see these things hand in hand. God's choice, our choice. God's action, our action. 
And God's choice goes with your believing in him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, we are known as the elected by God. And yet in verse 5, excuse me, in verse 6, we have your election by God, Thessalonians. But then in verse 6, it says, having received the word. You always see these two together. John chapter 3, verse 16, it's one of the most beautiful places we see this. It's God's love of the world that he gave his only begotten son so that when you believe in him, you have everlasting life. Always together. God's action, your action. God's choice, your choice. And so the door is truly open today to whosoever will in the world believe on the Lord Jesus Christ would receive everlasting life. And then in John 3.36, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, the door is open for you, whether you believe or not. The door is open. That's the choice. The door is wide open. If you believe, you're saved. If you don't believe, you're lost. Have you ever wondered? I mean, have you ever thought? Am I chosen or not? Am I really elect of God? Did God choose me? I don't really know. I'm not sure. Will you choose God today? Will you respond to the invitation? Because if you choose God today, then you can answer the question. Did God really choose me? Yes. Because you responded. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So go home with that on your mind tonight. The awesomeness of who God is. You can see how, how important it is to worship God and not argue about his attributes. Accept them. Accept what God says. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor and a message on God's foreknowledge here on Abounding Grace. Hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Ed, here we are on Thanksgiving Day. And I think you'd agree there is certainly much to be thankful for as we look back over this past year and all that God has done. What comes to your mind? Larry, happy Thanksgiving to you and to everyone listening in today. It is Thanksgiving, and I am a grateful man. And I'm grateful for my wife, Marie, who's stuck with me almost 30 years now. I'm grateful for my son, Eddie, who is in the presence of the Lord right now and the 26 years of joy and happiness he brought to my life. I'm thankful for my son, Joshua, uh, who just loves Jesus and is dedicated his life to serving him. I'm thankful for my daughter, Katie, who uh, is a sweet, wonderful uh, person that 
is committed to the things of the Lord and loves Jesus with all her heart. I'm thankful for my church family and the many men and women that I get to serve with, uh, that I get to live life with, do life with, and do ministry together. And man, I, I mean, it, that we don't have enough time. The whole show could be dedicated to a list of just things that I remember, let alone the things that I've forgotten and take for granted. And I'm thankful for you guys that are listeners that support the ministry here. I'm thankful for you that you would pray for us, uh, that you pray for me, that you um, you know support the ministry financially, prayerfully. I'm grateful that I can play a very small part in the big work that God's doing in your life. I'm thankful for Matt over at Genesis Productions that puts these studies together for the radio. And of course, for you, Larry, uh, who voices uh, this program for us. And uh, we're just, man, what more could I say? I'm just so grateful. Yes, life has been hard at times and painful, um, even just hard right now. But it doesn't cloud my eyes from the faithfulness of God, of those that I love, my family, my friends, my church. So I thank God he's faithful. Happy Thanksgiving from our family to yours. Be sure to thank the Lord today for all the good he's done in and through your life. And then join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be talking about God's predestination Friday. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.